Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. I'm John. Jennifer. Okay, can I say my favorite part about starting with the Breakthrough Breakdown is it's almost always right after we've already talked about something else. And so sometimes I feel like I come in and I'm already laughing at something, but nobody knows what we're laughing about. Yeah, they're like, wow, why, why is he always laughing? <laughs> I just really like saying the Breakthrough Breakdown. That's right. So, okay, so this is Holy Week. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this, it's the week after Holy Week. If you listen to this, Uh-oh. it's not Holy Week. It's, but right now, but it's... Woo! Your message will allude to the fact that it always should be. It's yes! Yes! Yes, 100%. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spo- I gotta get rid of this pen. Okay, and I have, like, I've been holding a pen and I've been clicking it all day, and I, I've had some tension in my body today. Are you still uh. fasting? Uh, just breakfast at this point. You can't just... Okay. Well, <laughs> well what, the, what I was asking is, like, if the fidgety is coming right from... That. It is, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, okay. So I fasted uh, twenty four hours on Monday and ate dinner. Was praying and really felt like actually it was based on a conversation you and I had. Mm-hmm. Felt like the Lord said, "Hey, you've got a really full week. You need to have some calories because I've between writing messages, being present for everything in Holy Week." Tuesday did the same thing, and then Wednesday, and I shared this on my my video yesterday. I forgot to do my video yesterday, so I get home and I'm like, oh, I should do my devotional video. My cat <laughs> walked by, so everybody got to see my cat. Um, but uh, actually, what I decided to do is now I'm still doing the fast, but I'm only fasting the breakfast. And part of it was was yesterday, I got finished. Uh, I went to the I went to the gym, just walked on the treadmill. And the first thought that came to my mind was not, okay, Lord, what do you want? It's, I wonder how much weight I've lost. <laughs> and, and I realized, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not fasting for the right reasons at this moment. And so I spent, I was going to fast the whole day. And I couldn't get that, that wouldn't escape my mind. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, one, am I supposed to press through this and get past this fixation on health? Or is it that I'm just not in the right frame right now? To fast, and so I ultimately decided that I was in the right frame. So I had a lunch, and then we had dinner. Um, but then this morning, I woke up, and I really felt like I, I felt like I was supposed to fast breakfast, and it really has been a good. It's been good. So I know you fasted, Jennifer. Did either of you guys do it? And it's okay if you didn't. I declined to answer. That's okay. That's totally fair. <laughs> I'm in the same that's camp. Based, so. <laughs> that's based on the conversation we had last week. Yeah, which for those of you who didn't listen. Um, so I apologize. I apologize to put you on the spot. No, there. I wanted to be able to answer that. I think that's a totally fine and healthy thing to be able to do in community and share something together. Like, yeah. hey, we're fasting together. Yeah. And you can ask like, oh, Jennifer, did you join us? There's nothing unkind about that. Because it's not a, hey, if you're not fasting, what's yeah, wrong with you? Yeah, there's no shame yeah. in it. But if I decide that like, if I was fasting, that I wanted it between me and the Lord because I got heart issues. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I have the right to say that. That's all. I Yeah, I... So I had several people yesterday who came up to me that decided they were going to fast all day Wednesday. And several of them were like, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. And some were like, I'm not hearing anything from the Lord. And okay, so let's, I want to start with that real quick. So when you fast, and again, whether or not you're fasting or not, what happens when you're fasting and you don't feel like you're getting something from the Lord? Where do you go? What, what is your mindset? I think that for me, where I'm fasting, and I'm if I'm fasting with the mentality of like, 
I'm really seeking the Lord and I hope I get something out of this from the Lord, right? Not so much as like magical genie in the sky. Yep. If I do this, you do that. Um, like somehow I can force God's hand, but, but really, really wanting to be almost like productive with my fasting. Yeah. I have to call out that heart issue of it's still me. I'm still in control then. It's, I'm still the one working. Okay. And it's a, it's a gentle reminder of like, okay, check your heart again. Like focus, focus back in of who's this for? What's it for? If I fast and get nothing out of it, but the glory for my father, that's uh, good enough, I guess. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah in, a, in a similar, I think in a similar way, it's uh, m- me, you know, if I'm deciding to do that, uh, like a fast, something like like that. Um, if I'm not hearing anything throughout, I, I do want to be resolved to keep doing with what I said I was going to do. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, take a Wednesday or oh, a Friday sure. or whatever. And like, that's what I'm committed to, regardless of whatever outcome I get. But I think sometimes for me, I can just be resolved. Like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And now I don't need to listen anymore. And I've made up my mind and... If God is leading me a different way or like, let's, let's keep going or, Hey, let's, you know, tone it back or whatever. I can, I can be pretty oblivious sometimes where I'm like, all right, I've done the thing that I need to do. I've made up my mind and now I'm, I'm good. I don't need to listen anymore. Um, Cause it's just easier in that sense. I was like, I well, I don't need to be paying attention or listening for the, uh, for God to be directing me either through scripture or through other people or whatever, what happens, whatever it happens to be, I can kind of get in my own head yeah. in that moment, you know? Uh, I have two thoughts. First thought is fasting is a spiritual discipline. Mm. So the, there is a discipline involved with fasting, even for, for no results, yep. just to yeah. glorify the father, like Kate was saying, just, just to be obedient. Um, which is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. And the second part is, if God doesn't say anything, it doesn't mean God's not moving. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean God's not working. And so I think there is actually, oh, I do think that there's sometimes a peace involved with not hearing anything. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just, yeah. it, I mean, it can. It can mean that there's something blocking <clears throat> or that there's a sin you need to repent of or something. But I think it also can just be. Just enjoy the presence with the Lord. Like, I don't, my husband and I don't talk all the time. Like, you know, you can still be in a relationship with people and be silent. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, so it's, I love that you brought that up. And all three of the, I loved all three of the the points in here. Um, I think we approach so many disciplines the same way. If I do this, then God must do this. So tithing, what came to mind? Well, I tithe, I didn't get a hundredfold back. Or I didn't get tenfold. Or I didn't, I didn't see the blessing immediately. And I, when you're talking about this, there is a discipline to it. And the other side of that is sometimes you may not even experience the Lord. And there's whole sections of scripture that talk about being in the desert. Mm-hmm. God never promises that you're going to experience him all the time. And I, I was, I don't even remember what it was. I was listening to or reading. It was something recently this week. But particularly in modern Christianity in America, I can't speak for other countries. And the churches that I've been at. I can't speak for every church. Okay, so that, that thing is drilled yeah. in real fast. But in, in the churches that I've been at and the ch- the Christians that I know and in the... Sorry, guys. I didn't realize my phone was on. Um, 
we somehow think that Christianity, what determines the health of a believer's life is how much they experience God on a daily basis. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, did I feel his presence? Did I get the tingles? Did I, and and if we don't, then obviously then maybe the whole thing's a lie or something's wrong with me. And yet we see whole sections where there's desert. Yeah. Uh, Abraham is a perfect example. We think Abraham heard from God like every day, but the stories in Abraham's where he has these major encounters with the Lord they happened over decades. Yeah. He, had like, yeah. he had like four encounters over like 50 years, and we make it feel like it's, we should, I should always be having this Abraham moment. Yeah. Well, I also think about like Esther, where the entire book does not mention God by name. Same thing with Ruth. Yeah. Same thing with Ruth. Well, I think they mention God. They do. Yeah. They he's, say he's, the, they, but Esther does not have Esther's the name nowhere God. in the name God. Yeah. 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 And um, I think of that like that providence. God's of, not the hero of the story. That's what I meant with Ruth. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And uh, I think of that that providence of how there there is um, God moving still in the silence yeah. of the, the the remembrance the obedience yeah. of it. I think of Mother Teresa, yeah. you know, a very famous Christian too. Yeah, go you share that. No, I you can go ahead. I just was it just was the story, and I don't know if Jason's told it or if I heard it in a Bible study I recently. I told it. Yeah. Well, I think I also heard it in a Bible study. It's, well, it's, like, it's like well known. It's very well known. Yeah, I, I may have shared it, but I'm not the only one who knew it. She didn't feel like she experienced the presence of God for decades, and yet she was still faithful to yeah. what He had asked her to do. Amen. And I think that is a beautiful. It is a beautiful reminder of like God doesn't. God's already done enough for me. He does not need to do anything more for me to, for me to seek him or to follow him or whatever. Like mm-hmm. his death and resurrection was sufficient. So yeah. there's there's a story um, in the Old Testament about this King Jephthah. Jephthah, I always say is wrong, his name wrong. Jephthah, he makes a vow to the Lord and says, if, if you do this for me, God, I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes in front of me. And his beloved daughter, who we love deeply, passes in front of his tent. And he made this vow to the Lord. And then he had to, so he sacrifices his daughter. And it's such a brutal story. But there's, I think there's something in it when it comes to things like fasting and tithing and all those things. The Lord never told us to make a vow. God never told Jephthah to make a vow. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to trust in him. He never had to say, God, I'll, if you do this, I'm going to do this. It was God. I'm trusting that you'll do this because you're God. Mm. Doesn't Jesus address that? Like you, you're better off not vowing anything that's at right. all. Just let your yes be yes. That's right. And and so what happens? I think for me is all sudden, and it's like I think of fasting as a vow. Mm-hmm. I made a vow. I'm going to fast. No, I didn't make a vow. I said, Lord, I feel like you're calling me to fast, and and I chose then to say, okay, when I feel like that time is done, with no shame or guilt. And here's the, I was talking with somebody else about it. The crazy thing is, is then all of a sudden. When you end the fast, like, well, am I ending it too early? What if I'm not? What if I'm not hearing it right? <laughs> yeah. What if? What if I'm? What if I'm wrong? And and it's like, wait a second. No, there's freedom. Mm-hmm. And and even even <laughs> yeah. if the Lord said, I want you to continue fasting, and I broke it, there's freedom there's so I, gra- and grace. That's okay. right. And this I'm, is so cool. I was just talking about how like when we have two good decisions to make, like whether to re- remain fasting or feel like God is telling you to stop fasting, or you know, stay at this job, go to yeah. a different job, do writer, this, writer, do that, yeah. writer, writer, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like. You guys realize that we, this is what I felt like God said to me, like, he gives us the choice of salvation. Yeah. You get to hand that back. And he does, you don't think he trusts you with whether or not you should fast? Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, and, and, and there's, there's that beauty that allows us to come in and, and realize that we don't fast as an exchange. 
Yeah. It's not an exchange. Mm-hmm. The divine exchange is Jesus' death on the cross. That's the divine exchange. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. nothing for us to pay. My righteousness for his righteousness. So when I fast, now I can do it. And and that's why I went in going, I might fast an, a one meal. And I could feel like the Lord's saying, hey, that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. And for years, I would feel guilty when I would to a fast if I broke it early. Like I failed God. <laughs> God God's like, oh, shoot. That's five meals. He got. He's supposed to go six. Yeah, and get the prize. And at no. what point do you, are you done? And that's yeah. where I think. Yeah. Well, I'm going to fast for three days. Jesus chose forty days in the desert. Now, first of all, he's Jesus, <laughs> and and some people feel called to it. But that's why I stay away from the vow language. Yeah. Of well, I made a promise to the Lord. First of all, I don't need to make promises to the Lord. I let my yes be yes. All right. All that being said, this is Holy Week, and tonight is our Monday Thursday service. Woo. And then Friday, we have Good Friday, we're doing Tenebrae, and then Easter. And uh, we just did sermon read-through for this Easter. And, and I will say that the two things that I felt, I, I had several things that came out from the fast in the first two days. Um, but Monday, I felt like the Lord gave me a very direct picture of where I was supposed to go for Sunday. And as we were walking through Easter, I'm like, okay, we've all heard the Easter message. And, and it's not like I'm trying to be original or different. But we've been, this whole theme has been awakening, yeah. awakening uh, what got you here won't get you there. And I started thinking about the tomb and that for me, Easter is this big, we celebrate the empty tomb, but it's just one day. What does it actually mean to live in the power of the resurrection? And that's where the story of Peter came in. And I was thinking about, okay, do, do any of you guys have like a favorite Peter story? I have a favorite Peter story, but do you have one that when you think about Peter, you're like, yeah, this is the, this is my favorite Peter story. Do you have one? If not, I, I'll share mine, but I'd like. I probably think we'd spent a lot of time about it, but when like Peter and Paul have it out and in Galatians, yeah, yeah. And, and Peter like kind of reverts to, I picture myself in like the high school lunchroom and <laughs> all the other Jews are watching me and oh man, now I can't like mix with the Gentiles. <laughs> and he totally acts like what I would expect myself to act. And I relate a lot to Peter from his humble beginnings to his kind of brash nature. And he's kind of a jump without thinking guy. And I was like, yeah, me too. And it's like, oh wait, get behind me, Satan. That's what you say to him, Jesus? <laughs> okay, maybe I should look at like my personality traits. <laughs> But I think probably that when Paul and Peter like do get out and and they and he still gets to go on and build the Christian church, yeah. even though he fights with somebody that probably honestly is much better, but more knowledgeable in Paul's case. You know, it's like Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Right. Peter wrote two books. Yeah. Two right. letters, not even books. They're just letters. And so, yeah, I just I just I love that beauty. And it kind of gives me hope for me in my ministry. I was like, OK, I can keep going. Mm-hmm. I like when the Jesus takes a. Uh, Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and then he's transfigured before them. Yeah, <laughs> Peter can't. He can't help. He's like, oh Lord, let me uh, put uh, tents up for yeah, you. We'll stay shelter. here forever. I don't know. It doesn't say what James and John did. I, I just like, I'd like to think that one of them was like, shut up, dude, stop talking. What do you? No, just let Peter say it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you say something. Uh, Peter, why don't you say something? Yeah. Because he would. Because <laughs> he will, yeah. I think I'm definitely going to the sword story where he cuts off the... <laughs> <laughs> Primarily because of Kate's reenactment of it during Sermon Read-Through. I was like, yep, yep. 
so mine, and it's the story actually from this this text is when Jesus reinstates Peter, mm-hmm. and there's okay. In, in in reading through the different commentaries, most commentaries believe that Peter did not abandon his calling; that he just went fishing because he didn't know what to do next. But there's no evidence of that on either side. Mm. We don't really know why Peter went fishing, and there's a part of me that goes. I could see Peter going, I really screwed up. I'm done. I'm going to go back to what I know. Amen. Like, I obviously, I, I screwed up royally. Jesus had these big plans for me. I I, I denied him. Mm. I said, I don't know him. And, and yet it's quite possible that he knew Jesus forgave him. He just didn't know what was next. But that's where my mind goes. But I love that scene when he's in the boat because, I, for me, this is how I feel like I would be with Jesus. And and I probably relate more with Paul than I do with Peter as I've mm-hmm. gotten older. Um, because I feel like I've had, a, I've had multiple conversions, so to speak. I've had multiple awakenings to my calling and, and growth. But when Peter's fishing on the boat and James looks out and after Jesus says, Hey, cast the net on the other side. And James goes, it's the Lord. And Peter's like, it's Jesus. And he literally, so, and we talked about this. The conversation was, yes, it is probably likely but the disciples had all of their clothes off and were fishing naked, which <laughs> my high school years, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But this was a common thing because they didn't have underwear. They didn't have swim trunks. Your robes got in the way. So they would strip down to basically almost nothing, if not nothing. And Peter can't even wait long enough to get the boat to shore. And we don't know how far out the boat is. Nope. Like it's obviously close enough that Jesus could yell out, but it could have been hundred yards out because you know how much sound travels over water. Yeah, that's true. And straight out Forrest Gump, Peter's just like, Jesus jumps in the water, Lieutenant Dan. And, yeah. And that to me is my favorite. I brought you some ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably my one of my favorite stories, if not my favorite story about Peter. Because even though he knows he's hurt Jesus, even though he may struggle with guilt and shame, just the thought of wanting to be with Jesus yeah. is so exciting to him that he just dives. All, he's all in. It kind mm-hmm. of reminds me of the prodigal son being like, I'll just, I'll ask to be one of the servants again. Like I've seen yeah. you. And the father runs with like open arms towards him. And it's like, Peter has that same reaction to seeing Jesus, even though he's, you know, like disheartened and sad, yeah. he still is joyful to, to be back. And this, and this is the part when he, he swims to meet Jesus and Jesus, and, and again, we've talked about this on the sermon, you know, Jesus is, this is after the resurrection. So Easter's already happened. Jesus has already appeared in the upper room. They all know that Jesus has returned, that he's resurrected. He's not just risen from the dead. He's not like a zombie. He's not Lazarus. He's got a resurrected body with healed scars. Mm. And there's Jesus sitting at a campfire. And, and again, I really do in my mind picture Jesus just made the fire happen because he's Jesus, right? I don't think he made, took flint stone. I think Jesus just went, <laughs> and boom, there it is. But he tells Peter, hey, Peter, go get the fish. And I, again, part of the reason why I love this story, and he left all the other disciples to have to haul this huge, massive load of fish. Yep. Instead of doing the responsible thing, yeah. Peter acted irresponsibly. And I'm like, oh, yes, I love it. And he then has to go help them get the fish on, and it says 153, which there's debates about what's the spiritual significance. I don't think there is any. I think it's just... It's just a lot of fish. It's just a lot of fish. And hundred. there was 153 really big fish. But he goes, brings the fish. He eats with Jesus. And then he and Jesus go for a walk. And here's where we, we went into Easter. And and I don't... 
This is what I feel like the Lord is kind of doing in our community right now. And I think this has to do with this whole awakening series. We should, the Easter, Easter is more than just a celebration of the empty tomb. It's what that empty tomb actually means for us as believers, what it means for the world. Mm-hmm. Because the tomb could have been empty because someone stole the body. Or it could have been Jesus was resurrected and just boom, went up to heaven and it was done. But Jesus meets Peter to reinstate Peter, and he brings Peter back to a clean slate. He actually meets Peter the very same way he met Peter the first time. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about, I wonder for how many of us, and particularly for our church, Easter is not just about an empty tomb. It's about a resurrected life that we're called to live in a restored life into something new now. When you think about Easter, when you think about the role of resurrection, what does it look like to have abundant life? What does it look like to have life now? Yeah, I love that we were just recently at the beginning of this podcast talking about like magical genie, God, like if I do this, you do that. Because I think that that abundant life gets so misconstrued where it's like that prosperity Mm -hmm. gospel. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous because I don't think that's true resurrection. You know, that's not what we're talking about. That abundant life is, it's, you said it, it's not a second chance. It's not if I do this, I earn it and get something yeah. back. It's a clean slate. You're, you're start over. You get, it's, it's not, it's new game plus for all you gamers out there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. John knows exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's a complete restart at zero. Yeah. That when you, no matter what, this, this process of tithing and, and fasting, those are all um, sacrificial things that lead to the sanctification. Yeah. But that salvation is forever. Yeah. You know, and that's what that, that resurrection is, that whenever God the Father looks at me, as long as I am in Christ, I'm a zero still. Yeah. I'm not one plus, you know, I'm not like super godly and divine, and I'm not negative one where he sees my sin, or anything in between. I'm I'm exactly as God intended me, and that's how he sees me. That's resurrection. I get to live out of that, that I don't have to hold myself to, sh- to sin or shame, but I also don't have to hold myself in high esteem. I'm yeah. not going to exalt myself and feel like, oh, look how good I did today, yeah. because it's going to fall. Well, and, and I think about what's going on in our world right now, how many pastors have fallen, and there's, and this, our, there's this movement going on in our culture of wanting to cancel people when they fail. Now, let's be honest. There are sins that take you out of ministry, but that doesn't mean God's done with you. Or leadership Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I I think we assume that what it means to be zero-sum means, well, we should just forgive them and move on. No, there are some sins that remove you from levels of leadership. And that's not what this is talking about. I I started watching the Hillsong documentary, and I got to the third episode, which is the final one. And it really struck me as how quickly they want to dismiss all the wonderful things God has done through this movement called Hillsong because of the brokenness of its leaders. Yeah. And we're not denying, I'm not denying the brokenness. In fact, there's a top-down level toxicity that needs to be dealt with. But you can't you can't dismiss and say that God hasn't used it. I mean, I think about mm-hmm. some of the worship songs that have come out Amen. and lives who have been touched and people who've surrendered their life because of a power of song. And that's not excusing and saying that what they did was okay or... Yeah. Any of the pastors. Well, I mean, I mean, I think about like Peter didn't excuse the Pharisees when he was talking to him after Jesus was ascended into heaven. He was saying, "You crucified him. Oh yeah, yeah. You killed him. Yeah. You put him to death. In it Acts was your two, fault. Yeah. Like it wasn't like Jesus literally died. That's not a good thing, you know, from a 
uh, uh, any of our perspective is like, no, somebody's just died. But what did it lead to? What did God use it for? And yeah. what did what came out of it was yeah. new life for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, without the Pharisees' act of hatred and pride that led to the death of Jesus, we wouldn't have the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Well, and and I think. Of, oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. I was just going to talk about the abundant life. Like I think, mm-hmm. I, you know, when we look at Jesus's life, it is there are so there's so much suffering. You know, we look at his final days on earth where he is pleading God to take the cup if it's his mm-hmm. will, yeah. where he's crying out, where he is, you know, and I feel like, I feel like the fully abundant life is the one that's fully sur- surrendered to God's will, even if it's not the will you want for yourself. Yeah, Amen. right. Abund- I, sorry, go no, ahead. No, and I just, that, I, that's hard to live in that mm-hmm. is all I'm saying is like, it's hard to live in that tension of like, this is really what you have for me and believing and trusting through faith that it really is better than what you could possibly imagine. And how yeah. do you find abundance yeah. in that? How, how, did, how did Christ find abundance knowing he was going to the cross? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, because he was fulfilling the father's will. That's how he yeah. found abundance in it. And, you know, and it's like, that's incredible. Well, so even, even if you look at the disciples with following Jesus and let's go to the story of Peter in the garden so Jesus is going to the garden. Why does Peter bring a sword? He's looking for a fight. He's looking for a fight. That's right. And, and, and Peter's expecting, and, and this is the part, in Peter's worldview, abundant life meant Israel was a restored nation. Amen. No longer under Roman occupation. Unencumbered. Unencumbered. Yep. Right? And so he comes. He knows something's going to happen that night. He knows, <laughs> yeah. he knows something's going to happen that night. Peter, Peter's not there to defend Jesus. Peter actually thinks Jesus is going to rise up and gonna ins- an insurrection is going to happen. Sometimes we want insurrection over resurrection. Amen. Warrior king, not prince of peace. That's right. And and Jesus, so he comes in and he swings the sword and cuts off the dude's ear, which this is where Jennifer <laughs> was alluding to Kate's thing. I was just talking about it when it was like, you know, in your message you said... Um, what was it like futile attempt or like kind of a pitiful attempt? It's a pitiful to, attempt. Yeah. Pitiful attempt to like slash out at this guy. It was like if you hit somebody in the ear, I'm just picturing all the drama in the world and Peter just swinging back his windmill arm, barely looking at the person, and being like get back Ugh! and like trying to cut this guy, but not really, and happen to get his ear. Like there's no way as a fisherman, or even just like the boldness of like, well, I want to cut you, but I'm also. I'm yeah. too, so, uh. yeah. like, like brothers and sisters when they yeah. like fight with each Slap other fighting. and it's like uh, and it looks like you get slapped by a spoon well and, and you look at that and first of all he's doing this to a, a trained roman soldier yes. who are yeah. trained killers they were the elite romans of the time or army of the time and why did he do that because again yeah. his definition of abundance was different than jesus's and his definition of victory was as well. That's right. Yeah. And uh, well, some of us go to Easter and, oh, sorry, we think Easter is all about, you know, we got, we're going to heaven. Woo! Jesus died so I can go to heaven. Yeah. And, and Which yes, is good. there's truth in that. Yeah. But that's not, if that's all there is, why not just die now? Yeah. Like if that's the end goal, if the end goal is just Jesus died, rose from the dead, so I can go to heaven then why why doesn't God just, the minute I become a Christian, if God was gracious, he'd just end my life there and I'd be done. What am I supposed to do with the rest of it? And here's where I think why that story in 21 is so important in John 21 is 
I think Peter, this is, again, I'm reading into the text, and I talked about this, that three out of the four Gospels, the last thing we see from Peter, last words spoken to Peter were, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. And how, I mean, I think about, like, what if that was his legacy? What if there was no John, and the last legacy we have of Peter, who was honestly one of the boldest disciples, the entire time of Jesus' ministry, Peter was the one who was consistently stepping out, sometimes putting his foot in his mouth, mm-hmm. leaping when he wasn't looking. And I think, John, the beauty of John is that you see the restoration where Peter gets to not end with the words, I don't know him, but you know I love you. Yeah. And that is Peter's resurrection moment. That is, the, that, is the, that is his sin being left in the tomb, and he's now brought into new life. And the cross forgave Jesus forgave Peter on the cross, but the resurrection meant restoration. It meant new. And humans, we're good at second chances. Like humans give second chances. God doesn't give second chances. He gives new life, right? Yeah. And Peter is restored back to his original mission. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. What was Peter doing? He was going out fishing again. He's reinstating saying, Peter, not only are you going to fish for men, but now you're going to care for my sheep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I even think just to be thinking about like for as humans, when we sin against each other, which we do because we're human and it's a broken, fallen world. And we hear Peter and <laughs> I love another Peter story of Peter and Jesus interacting. And he's trying to show off. And he's like, so Jesus, um, how many times should I forgive somebody? Like seven? Because <laughs> the standard was three. And he was like trying to show off. He's like going above and beyond. And, and, and Jesus is like, oh, Peter. Oh, honey. No, more like 77. More I don't, like 77 think, I don't think Jesus seven. called him oh, honey. Oh, I, I do. This is how I, <laughs> he's this he's is like how a I southern talk. grandma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> Bless, Sorry, your soul. Bless yeah. your soul. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. And I think of that where it's like, yeah, we have to forgive each other again and again and again. And we get third, fourth, 77 chance. But there was one cross. Yeah. His grace is sufficient. In Christ, it's one time, new creation. Uh, and it, a, a non-Peter story, I think Paul wrestled with this, which is why he wrote about it so much. Mm. I'm I, Purely speculation, I think part of the reason why Paul's letters are so fixated on grace and mm-hmm. forgiveness yeah. is I, I have a sense that Paul, knowing he was a Pharisee, mm-hmm. knowing, that, knowing uh, the law so well, knowing the law so mm-hmm. well, that the Lord was like, no, Paul, I'm working this in you. So you. Paul's preaching to himself, not just everybody else. Amen. Which I think is, yeah. that, yes. Don't we all? That's yeah. what we, yeah. yeah and Paul, all the things we're saying here are things we have first said to ourselves. Amen. That's right. <laughs> or and, just and now think, realizing. Just, and I think Paul yeah. meets us in that, right? And there's, a, there's how much beauty in that, that the Holy Spirit meets us in our weakness. And often the things Amen. that we want to proclaim to other people are the very things that God first proclaims to us. Amen. And we don't always realize it. And, you know, I, I, I want to go back real quickly talking about the, the cancel culture yeah. in the world today. Because it's not just the church, it's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're watching as men, and particularly men in leadership, mm-hmm. and not saying that there aren't women as well. But I feel like the Lord right now is cleaning house in his church. Because what he wants is empty tomb living. And I think what's happened is, is we have churches that stopped living like Easter and started building their own kingdoms. They, they started, instead of living out of the empty tomb, it was now what can we fill in this place? Yeah. Yeah. And very... when we do that, that's what's happening. We're finding, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, when you're done, sorry. No, sorry. It's, it's okay. It's a, probably a better thought than mine, because I, I lost <laughs> my thought. Um, I just, well, I just was thinking, because you guys were saying, like, humans are good at second chances, and 
Well, I think actually they're not. No, no. I, th- we I think should we, be. I think we say second chances. That's yes. a human endeavor. Yes. Yes. I don't think it's we're good at it. Here's, hard. here's, I just, I don't know. Like, here's just the thought I had, and kind of came to me of like, the the cancel culture that we currently have no amplifies chance. God's grace. Hmm. Has the opportunity, yeah, for sure. Like, I think there's an opportunity to be like, no, 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 no. Let me, let me. Cancel, cancel culture and show you yeah. what is really true in Christ. Yeah. And just what an opportunity, especially for those people who have been quote-unquote canceled. canceled. Like, yeah. There is redemption. There, there is, is redemption. Well, and there and this, is restoration This, this makes me wonder because we don't know what took place in the upper room when Jesus told them that, you know, he breathed on them. And Can I say something kind of funny that came out of the sermon read-through that Sean and I were laughing about on that sure. part? Before you get too far into your yeah, story, because yeah, yeah. I don't want to make you lose your your point. I already but lost I said, <laughs> what, what you're talking about, like breathing on him, and we oh, don't yeah, know yeah. what happened. But when he breathed on him, Sean leans over and is like, he was just dead for three days. I bet his breath <laughs> and we were dying laughing. I was like, oh. Or he had resurrected breath and it smelled like yes. strawberries. Strawberry wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. We don't know what happened. You said. Hey, man, so, even his breath was amazing, okay? Yeah. Okay, you, were bad. <laughs> you know what? Bad breath is a result Jesus of sin in the poop, world. It's guys. death, it's right. <laughs> Jesus poop. Kids love that fact. They, they do. <laughs> they do. Um. <laughs> So we don't know what happened in the upper room. We don't know if Jesus forgave Peter in that moment, right? And sometimes I think what happens for me, I know I'm forgiven, but that doesn't mean that I believe God wants to use me still. Amen. Mm -hmm. And there are, and and that doesn't dismiss consequences. Amen. Jesus, Jesus knew what, I mean, well, let's talk about Judas. Mm Mm-hmm. Judas was, it was foretold prophetically that Judas would hang himself. Judas betrayed Christ, and Judas didn't get a second chance. But again, it's because Judas was the one who took his life. Jesus didn't take it. Yeah. Right. And I think part of what happens in forgiveness is, and, and this is where the Christ component comes in, because let's let's talk about the churches where we've had severe victims, people who have been sexually abused, who have yeah. been spiritually abused, uh, pastors who have done some pretty horrific things. They can be forgiven and God can still use them, but maybe they, he's not going to use them the way they did before because they forfeited the position. And we see that Paul, Paul talks about individuals who basically says, if you want to be a pastor, this is, this is what it means to be a pastor. And if you're not going to do that, so how do we, how do we live in the resurrection mm-hmm. and yet still acknowledge that there is consequences? And, and I think that's what's hard about the story is the story doesn't feel like there's any consequences for Peter and yet, I think, I wonder if the harshest consequence for Peter was the shame and guilt mm-hmm. he felt over Absolutely. himself. I 100%, I think that that's something that as you mature in your own faith, as I matured in my own faith, that the natural consequence of sin is something that you really have to come to terms with. That even though I full-heartedly believe that I am redeemed, restored, resurrected, I'm a children's director now, I get to do my favorite thing in the world, and Zion's the crazy one for paying me for it. But am I a single mom for the last 10 years? Do I, is there a divorced husband, my ex-husband out there in the world that I still have to interact with for the rest of my life? Do, does my husband have to pay the price for the sins of my previous life sometimes? Absolutely. Am I not still restored? Am I still not resurrected? There's the natural consequence of sin. And I think that, yes, people need to be held accountable. 
Yes, there is the natural consequence of sin. When you do something, I, Gabe and I always talk about it. What happens when you rob a bank? You go to jail. Even if you're sorry, even if you're sorry. Even if you're forgiven. Even if you're forgiven, there's still the consequence. And can you live abundantly yes. in that? <clears throat> well, and, and, and yeah, go ahead. Go. I, was, I was just going to say, I think some of the our issues with forgiveness is that we still see we still see the death of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. we don't we like we can we can see Jesus on the cross and understand that in forgiveness, but it just stays there. It doesn't move to a place of true new life, of true resurrected yeah. life. You're not perfect. No, and I but I do think people. I mean, so many people say, "Well, I have a hard. I'm I can't forgive myself." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, but don't forget that three days later, he was alive and well. Yeah. I always yeah. like to joke when people say, I can't forgive myself. Is I didn't realize that you were more powerful than Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Well, Jesus forgave you. You just said you can do something. You, Jesus can, you can do something Jesus can't? Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. And, and when yes, you, but if that's said in a not no, it's the all, right it's all in how you No, it's all in how you say yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and when I, usually when I say that, it's always in love. And no, you got to realize yeah. if Jesus can forgive you, you can forgive yourself. But I do yes. think I do think the problem is that you are re- like you are living in the death, not living in the life. Yes. Not in the resurrection. Yes. You're living on the cross. Yes. You're living on the cross. And, and the, that was a terrible, like that we was difficult. It was, but that's, that's a focal point for us. It's not <clears throat> a, a stopping point for us. Well, so I did years ago, I, I preached a sermon on Good Friday on why is it called Good Friday? And I had several people that were really bothered by the way I handled it. And I actually believe it was called Good Friday because as horrible as it was, something good happened. Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> and And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that the cross was good. Doesn't mean it was holy. It doesn't. What happened on the cross was unholy. Jesus' death was an act of murder, of, of viciousness, of humanity being laid out. Yeah, and it can on, never be called holy. Now, what happened was holy. Amen. The result of it, what took place of the, the divine exchange, that was holy. But the act of the cross itself was horrific. Yeah, it, and, goes, it goes back to Peter. was like, no, you're not going to die. That's not good. Yeah. That can't be good. And, get behind me, Satan. Without and, the kingdom. And now yeah. here's, this is the part. Yeah. What if, what if Peter's denial of Jesus, of him saying, I don't know Jesus, was the very thing that God knew would ultimately sharpen him as the tool? Amen. That because of that failure, Peter now understood God's grace in a way that he wouldn't have had yes. he not done that. That's and it's not, and not, that, not that God made Peter do it. God knew Peter would do it. Yes. And I think about the failures in my life, who Amen. I am as a pastor. I've, had, I've made mistakes in my ministry. I've made mistakes in my marriage. And the difference, uh, my friend Brett and I were just talking about this this morning, is it's taking ownership of your stuff that allows you to be able to grow past it, but you have to first acknowledge your part. Mm-hmm. And there's that part in this scene when Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And the third time it says, and Peter was hurt. And I don't think Peter's hurt because, Jesus, why can't you get it through your head? <laughs> I think he's hurt because he's reminded, like, no, you know I love you. I, I, I screwed up. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I think he's hurt by his own sin and shame that his, yeah. he turned his back on Jesus when his friend needed him the most. His Savior needed him the most, which sounds weird, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His Savior needed him the most at the time what he would have expected. But was Jesus surprised by it? Yeah. No. And that was the week before when we talked about that generous love. Sheep do stupid things. Peter's yeah. still a sheep. He's, and I'm, as a good shepherd, he knows how sheep act. That's right. And so he was not shocked. Was he hurt by it? Absolutely. 
I, because he was also human. He was still at the time. human. Mm-hmm. I think of like when you were talking about. I don't know if Peter would have had the same kind of early church building mentality and resilience that he did without that denial and redemption and restoration, you know, Mm -hmm. the resurrection that he gets to experience with Jesus. I think of like when I talk about when I wasn't, I wasn't raised in the church and you were talking about like the failures that we have where it's like, it's a curse and a blessing. I don't have the same mentality about the gospel because I understand what it was like to not be saved. Yeah, it's so fresh to you. It's so fresh to me. Those new eyes are a blessing. Is it a curse sometimes? Did I sin? Is there a natural consequence of sin in my life? Yes. But God moves and uses it for holy things. Mm -hmm. And that's where, when I first became a Christian, Easter was far more powerful to me than it is now because it was so fresh. I know what Jesus did. I've been a Christian for 30 years now, and and. As weird as it sounds, by 13, I became a Christian in 1989. I had just turned 14. I had already been through a lot as a 13-year-old, and I carried a lot of sin and shame and guilt and hatred of myself. And, and you know, I look at my daughter, and it goes back to, like, I, I do remember what it was like before Jesus, but I didn't make adult decisions as Jesus. I didn't. There are some things that you do as an adult or adulting, <laughs> you know, 16, 17, 18, that you can carry that differently. Yeah. And I look at my own kids, and I so desperately want my kids to understand what grace is. Yeah. I want them to understand the power of the gospel, that they need the gospel regardless of the fact that they grew up in the church. They need Jesus just as much, if not more, than the person down the street, because the person down mm-hmm. the street doesn't even know what they're missing. Yeah. yeah. The person who doesn't know Jesus doesn't realize what they're missing. Yeah. And yet I turn my, like Peter, I turn my back on the Jesus who I've watched do incredible yes. things in my life. I know who you are. I yeah. and still that, deny you. That hurts way. That should that yeah. should carry way more weight why I need the gospel even more. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, one last question that I, I want to be done here yeah. and we're going to call it a day. And um, we had a statement that was that being all in doesn't mean that you have it all together. Peter was all in, but he was still a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. He still needed a savior. And what do you guys think, when you think of that phrase all in, let, let's first start with the negative. How does the phrase all in carry a negative connotation when you think about following Jesus? Um, how does it, how, how might it bring shame if it's understood the wrong way? I think of like, just my own, I can only speak to my own experience. Um, I was all in. I hit the ground running. I kind of jokingly say, as a fish in the barrel, and I called the church and I was like, "What do you, how, what do you do? How do you become a Christian?" <laughs> it was just, and I, I, they literally couldn't get rid of me. But it's seven years later, I'm starting to realize that I've never stopped trying to earn my belonging. Mm. That I still am so very works based because those were the coping skills that I developed my whole life, and so all in scares me for a new believer where if I see a new believer that is like hit the ground running, they're at every single thing, they're on fire. And I go, Oh, please, Lord, don't let them burn out. Please, Lord, don't turn this, don't twist this for them now. And it's like, Mm. it's like that early developmental stage where you're like spiritual milk stage, where if, if you get it wrong now in seven years, you're going to be in so much pain. It's going to be so hard to unlearn all of that. And so all in for me is really fast track to burnout. Yeah. For the negative. For the negative. When you hear, when you think about it the wrong yeah. way. If yep. I try to think about it the wrong way. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think there's some <clears throat> there can be some pressure from the outside too, where if you say that you're all in, uh, and you're like, I'm gonna spend my summer on a mission trip in Peru or wherever, you get friends, you get family, you get people that you know being like, that seems crazy. That's ridiculous. Why yeah. would you do that? Like, you know, you could, you don't have to go for the whole summer. Surely you could just go for a, a, a week or a weekend. And you don't I have to go, go to, you, can, you, can, you don't have to go there. Like, that just seems crazy. I mean, aren't you going a little bit too overboard on this thing? And on one hand, it's like, well, following Jesus is a little bit crazy. Amen. Yeah. It's going to look a, a little bit. bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I did, I did see people who wanted to go all in, but didn't know that like, so all in doesn't mean you have it all together. They didn't yeah. have it all together. They wanted to go all in, but weren't in the right space to do it. And they thought, this is what I need to do. This is what I have to do. I have and to. then I can be all in. And they burned out. They 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 were not in a good headspace. And I'm, I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But it it's, it's heartbreaking because it's like, yeah, we want to be on fire for Jesus. Um, we do want to do that. Um, like but count the cost. Count the cost. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I think about is just this mentality of it's still about you. Hmm. <laughs> and um, what what is greater, that God was all in for you or that you're all in for God? Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And I, I think that's really, for me, what is the, the part about that is all in still implies that you have something to do, that you, uh, it is still something on you. Give. Yeah, sure. that it's still... Um, yeah, I can't think of the word, but basically like contingent. Contingent, thank you. On you. And yeah. It's not. Yeah. yeah. You could you could have days where you're living the resurrected life like we're talking about and we did talk about. Um and there's going to be days where you're on the cross. Feeling <laughs> like you're on the cross in the, or in the grave being like I don't know what the point is of continuing on this path. And in and either of those days it doesn't make a difference in terms of God's commitment to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's all in for you. Absolutely. For each and every single one of us. You know? I, I, I think for me, when I think of it, it's all in if the negative. If we're not mm-hmm. careful, yep. means I have no doubts. Mm-hmm. I'm not wrestling Amen. with anything. I know doubts was on my mind too. And I think of Peter, like Peter jump, uh, walking on water. Mm-hmm. So does that mean the other 11 disciples weren't all in? Right. Because only Peter was the one did, and then Peter sank. Was he? Did, did he stop being all in at one point? Like, mm-hmm. and, and there's a book out by Mark Batterson, and I haven't read the book, so I can't critique it, and I don't want to. But the title is All In. Yeah, and I remember the first time I read that, and I'm like, it's the same reason why I don't like using the phrase uh, "we're trying to create fully devoted followers of Jesus." I'm not a fully devoted follower well, of Jesus. When he ever arrived, at that's that. right. And so now all of a sudden we're we're hitting an unattainable goal, and some people want that for a vision, but then the other part is I think about. We use words like this, um, we'll, we'll misquote or misinterpret Revelation chapter 3, either be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm or I'll spit you out of my mouth, which I just did. A, we just talked about this a couple days ago on, on our Facebook live videos. Um, where Jesus either wants you all in or not in at all. Mm-hmm. And 
wait a second, where's grace in that? And mm-hmm. right. God meets us in our doubts. And some people are pressure cook, or some people are, are crock pot. Some people are microwave. Okay, right. you're a microwave. Once you're in, you're all so, in, right? Other so people, like Peter. other people are there. They take a longer time and slow cook. And, John that, and for some of them, if they take too long, well, you took too long. You're not all in. Jesus is done. And yeah, and we 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 try and fast track people through salvation. Yeah. Instead of realizing okay. salvation is a process. Amen. And so I like that idea. Peter in his mind thought he was all in. I'm all in, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then when he failed, he realized I thought I was all in. Imagine the shame you feel with that yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know I, as much as I thought I knew. I, I maybe I didn't. Oh my gosh, I failed. And Jesus is like, Peter, your definition of all in is wrong. Yeah. You need to be all in and trusting me that yes. I'm the one who saves. You don't save. I save. Yeah. You don't rescue, I rescue. Fix your Which eyes he on preaches Jesus. not too long later so, to the Pharisees. And here's the, here's the image that comes to mind, and I want to end with this. So it's, um, I, what came to mind as I was talking about this is that you don't rescue, I rescue. So I was uh, I was bodyboarding one day out in uh, La Jolla Shores, and my legs cramped up. And I was probably a good 100 yards offshore. I mean, it was deep water I couldn't touch, and my legs were cramping, and the waves were just pounding. Mm-hmm. Are pounding hard on me. And the truth in that moment, I was all in, but what I thought I was all into was I was going to get sucked out into the ocean and going to die. That's that's what, that's what I thought I meant. And I remember seeing the jet ski, the lifeguard come on the jet ski. And there was a part of me that wanted to say, no, 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 I got it. I'll figure it out. Because they offered, do you need help? Because they were rescuing a lot of people. Yeah. And in that moment, I thought what I meant to be all in is, well, if I'm all in, it means I have to I have to save myself in this it moment. It still works. It's still on you. Still on me. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I realized, I'm like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I had to be all in. What it meant to be all in is that I had to climb on, and I was so, I remember I was so embarrassed by this, which is so stupid. I got so embarrassed that I had to hang on to the back of this life raft as he's going on his jet ski pulling me because I couldn't do it. Yeah. And isn't that exactly what Peter experienced? Oh my gosh, I thought I could do it. I can't do it. And that's the gospel. That's Amen. the point. I think all in, the the true easy way of being like, what is a healthy all in? It's surrender. Mm. It's sacrificial trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am sacrificing my pride, my safety, my dignity, my reputation, yeah. my sanity. It's crazy. It's sacrificial trust. And I'll trust you with it. And it's all yours. And, all and when we come on Easter... Every day should be Easter. Every day is, I'm laying it all in the empty tomb mm-hmm. and knowing that I don't have a second chance. I have a new life. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much. Hey, we hope you've had a, a great Holy Week. Um, happy Easter for those listening afterwards. I wonder where Bob Goff celebrated Easter. I wonder where Bob Goff and N.T. Wright. I wonder what N.T. Wright, <laughs> I know, I wonder what N.T. Wright is preaching. They probably are. Uh-huh. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm John. Jennifer. And have an awesome day. Hey, bring a, bring on the tove. Boom. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.